Broadcasting from the Any Hour Services Podcast Studios, I'm your host, Mike Wilson, and on this episode of In the House, we're going to be talking about tankless water heaters. Let's go. In the House is a podcast about the major systems in the house, electrical, plumbing, heating, and air conditioning. Each week, I'm joined by a panel of experts. We pick a topic and we discuss it in depth. It's meant to be informative and hopefully bring you some value. If you've heard the show before, thanks for coming back. Do us a favor. Go and leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. It would really help us out to know what you think of the show. Like I mentioned before, we're going to be talking about tankless water heaters. I've got Dwayne and Scott with me today. They're part of the management team over the plumbers at Any Hour Services, and we've got a special guest with us, Mr. Gail Johnson. Welcome, sir. Thank you for having me today. <laughs> um, Gail has been in the plumbing industry for over 20 years. He's been a commercial plumber. He's done new construction plumbing. He did five years of plumbing service work before moving to the wholesale side of the industry. Gail's been installing, repairing, and selling Noritz tankless water heaters for 17 years. And for the last three and a half years, he's been working directly for Noritz tankless water heaters. Again, thanks for being here. Uh, this, I'm really excited about this episode. Tanklesses, uh, you know, seem to be really taking off in popularity. People are loving them. I know we're installing, uh, you know, a ton of them. But let's start, actually, let's, let's go with the beginning. Dwayne, do you have some history on tankless water heaters? I do. I do. I looked some stuff up. There is some controversy on how it Ooh. exactly started. And who Controversy? started it a little bit. <laughs> Controversy. We've, uh, we've talked before about that uh, Edmund Rudd was the yep. uh, first guy that invented the water heater. Well, prior to him, there was a guy named Benjamin Waddy, Ooh. and he was a painter in England, and he actually invented the, per the first water heater that heated water as it went through as, as they did it. He didn't have any venting or anything on it, so it wasn't very safe. Sure. And uh, there were some explosions and things, but <laughs> but he was the first one. And then Rudd took his patent and bought his patent, and then oh okay, and then developed the the water heaters as we know them today. During the uh, late 1800s, things really started progressing as kerosene and and uh, and other gases, <clears throat> excuse me, other gases became available and readily available, and it created a great. Um, consistency that you didn't have before with wood or with coal where you're constantly having sure. to stoke the fires and things so that created some other things in um in uh where'd that go <laughs> dang it in 18 1929 stiebel eltron invented the first electric tankless water heater instantaneous water heater and uh they they're still around today that's still a company yep. that what was the name I, of it Stiebel, Stiebel, El Eltron. Stiebel, yeah. Stiebel. I've always said it's Stiebel, Eltron. You've always been wrong, but yeah, <laughs> depending on where. <laughs> well, they're out of Germany, so it could be. Okay, way. there you go. Anyway, then it kind of just rolled along. Just they weren't very efficient, okay, and things. And then in the seventies, yeah, Europe needed more efficient ways because fuel costs were so high. They started the they started the tankless revolution in the 70s and so it spread throughout europe and then went to japan and asia and south america and uh if you travel anywhere in the world i mean everywhere else they all have tankless water heaters instantaneous on demand we'll go over some names right now we, we refer to them as instantaneous as continuous flow inline flash on demand instant on those are some of the terms we hear that are kind of all interchangeable 
well for a tankless. So so I want to stop you there because in my mind, when I think of on demand, you turn the the spigot on the hot spigot and hot water is right there immediately. And I mean, even with a tanked water heater and a tankless, it you still have to wait for the hot water to arrive, right? Because you turn it on and it starts creating hot water and then the hot water is there. It's not right there at the tap, right? Well, yeah, but the on-demand also refers to the fact that it's not using any energy until you turn it on. So a tank water heater is still using energy with the pilot light yes. and reheating and reheating and yeah. maintaining. Well, I guess that, that when you when you define things differently, then yes, I guess that that means it would like fit into that. But I I, I never I never realized that that's what that on, on, on demand, demand in your mind is just that I open up the faucet and I got hot water right yeah, there because right I know now. they've got those you know, things that you can install underneath the sink, you know, an Insta heat where it makes it. So you turn it on and you've got water right there. So I know that's a good way to define it though. On demand, meaning that it's not using energy until it's demanding for that hot water. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Any other history stuff you want to go over? That's, that's about it. I mean, other, other than they're getting more and more efficient, they're getting more and more popular that kind of a thing. So. Okay. So before we go much further and really start to dive deep in this, um, let's Scott, tell us some of the basics, uh, you know, just in general, how does a tankless water heater work and how is it different than a tanked water heater? Like, and I would assume that most people still have a, you know, are, I'm assuming we're not so many tanklesses yet that, that most people have a tankless. So how is tanked versus tankless? How does, how does a tankless work? Yeah, <clears throat> one of the main differences uh, between a tank water heater and an, and a tankless water heater is that a tank a tank water heater stores water and heats it, and it's constantly in the tank. Whereas a tankless water heater, as soon as you call for water or turn a faucet on, the water flows through the unit and heats it and gives it to you. So it's not storing any water. Um, it's, it's also burning at a lot hotter temperatures, so it heats it quicker. Um, that's one of the other benefits of of having a tankless water heater is just so that you get that hot water quicker and and you never run out of hot water as long as you have that faucet on water will continue to go through the unit and heat it up and so you never run out i switched to a tankless water heater probably 10 12 years ago i don't know it's been so long or maybe that's not that long but <laughs> i've had one for for a long time and i love it we were having issues um with we had young kids at the time. We had just moved in this house and I think it had a 30 gallon electric water heater. It was a really old house and that's what we had. But what would happen was our kids would get in the tub. They'd turn the tub on and fill it up, you know, to take a bath or whatever. And it would run out of hot water trying to fill up the tub. Or if you tried to, you know, get something after that, as soon as we put in a tankless water heater, problem solved all of you know everything i love it i if it's one of those so much so that like if i moved into a new house that would be one of i would consider that a bonus if they had a tankless water heater installed or if they didn't and that tanked water heater was getting close to the end of its life i would definitely make that upgrade to a tankless if uh, now that i've had it going back to to not i i wouldn't necessarily yeah, like it 
And I think that's the key feature, you know, of it is just the never-ending no. hot water. That's what sells me on it. I've had them for 20 years now in my homes. And so, I mean, to me, it feels like, I mean, you mentioned like back in the 70s, they started doing tankless water heaters over in Europe and it goes to Asia and like all these other places. And then it like winds up in the United States. It does feel like they are getting more popular that they are. You know, it's something that people are starting to request information on. But I mean, Gail, do you have any stats on the market penetration as far as tanklesses go? Yeah. So in in the United States, tankless is about five, six percent of the total market. Okay. Um, but over the last seven years, tankless has really started to grow a lot. They were growing twenty to twenty five percent every single year. You're starting to see a lot more builders shifting over to putting tankless water. E- tankless water heaters in as a standard. So a lot of these new homes that are coming out are now have tankless water heaters in them. And we're going to see that progression really going. Um, There's a lot of incentives for these builders to put in these higher efficiency appliances um, to make those homes more green. Uh, They have what they call HERS ratings, try to get these points down to make it as most energy efficient as possible in every single house that they're building right now. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of incentives out there for them to move to that better technology. Um, and people right now too, with, if you're looking to go from a tank to a tankless, um, there's so many different rebates and things out there for the consumers to be able to go that way. Cool. We'll we'll talk specifically about some of those things, uh, in just a little bit, but are there any applications where someone shouldn't install a tankless? Like, are there anywhere it, it, it won't work? You know, real, just real quick, just to step back. One of the things that's made them more popular now sure. than they were even 10 years ago was that the, the venting had to be stainless steel venting or it, it had. Well, that's what it had to be in this. And the venting often cost a lot more than what you even paid for the tankless to buy. There were only three manufacturers. They colluded with each other and they were all within a penny per foot of each other during those 80s and, and 90s when that was happening. And so collusion, are we re- we're talking <laughs> well, about they, collusion on the podcast? They had to. Uh, New title for the podcast, Tankless Collusion. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they did. I was a, a contractor during the time. I just, okay. It was just like, it was anyway. Well, yeah, just like any technology when it's coming along, I mean, as it progresses, it becomes, you know, more affordable and you start to get that technology and it just gets better and better. And usually the beneficiaries are that end consumer because it's able to come down like that. Is that, is that what you're? Yeah, that. And then just the fact that, with our computer age and our, I mean, you know, 20, 30 years ago, we had the brick, right? You know, 40, yeah, 30 years ago, we had the brick that we carried around. The brick phone. There's, there's so much in these little phones here now and the, the, the motherboards and the computers that they've got. And the, mm-hmm. uh, he can probably, Gail can probably get into some of the details on how many, you know, whatever calculations it's doing in, you know, per second and, so everything's we're able to really dial those in right now and make them so that they are very very efficient and and consistent so are there any applications where you can't install a tankless no i i can't think of any application you couldn't i mean we've got them in single family homes large commercial buildings using them for heat in large commercial buildings people are putting them in their cabins because they're a lot easier to drain down and winterize things like that so um I can't think of really anywhere where you wouldn't put yeah, in the tankless water. Like, like we often say, there's no place you, you, you'd be able to do it anywhere you wanted, but there's always 
a cost associated with some of that. Of course, yeah. I mean, and so that's ultimately what you're looking for when you're getting a bid on these things is like, you know, what's it going to take to to put this thing in? And then, you know, it's up to you to make those decisions on on where you're at, uh, if you can afford that. Um, but let's let's actually let's go into pros and cons uh, of a tankless uh, water heater, because just like anything else, there are there are pros and there's cons for all of the benefits. Let's talk about some of the trade-offs, but let's talk about the benefits first. Um, one of the biggest ones and my favorite is the endless hot water. We already talked about, you know, on demand. So all of these different names for us, but, um, you know, being able to have as much hot water as you want when you want it. Right. Oh, yeah. Um, Another uh, pro, cost less to operate. How much less does it, I mean, is it one of those things where, you know, when, when electric cars came out, you know, they talk about like, oh, it's, it costs so much less to operate an electric car. And there were people that were like, oh, but when you do the math, it's not enough to like pay for it. Is it one of those things where it costs less to operate, but it doesn't pay for itself? Or is it one of those things where people are out there selling it saying that, it costs so little to operate that it pays for itself. Like talk to me about the cost savings on it. Well, it's about just total gas savings. You're about 60% less than what you currently are using on a tank. Okay. So, but heating hot water isn't that expensive. So, I mean, you could save, just depends on how large a family you have. So like a family, so like my house, my gas bill went from in the summertime from 12 to $13 a month down to $7 a month. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I cut that down pretty close there. But if you have a larger family, that's one thing with tankless is you're going to start saving money on that gas bill. But then everybody realizes that you they have can endless go hot for water. As as they want. <laughs> so See, then they start. And that's what I was going to bring you know, up. Was so then the, you, that that fact there that, that you know people always a year later they say I thought you said I'd save on my gas bill, yeah. <laughs> and then we find that because they make the lifestyle changes of hurry, quick, 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 get done, get done, right? You know, and then somebody else has to jump in, and then the third guy gets the, the cold shower, you know. On Sunday mornings, it it anyway. I'm not gonna lie, my showers are a little longer in the winter. They are. They are. It just it just kind of oh, happens that way. Oh, for sure. Um, but there okay. is a, there is a definite cost savings there because you're only using electric or you're only using gas when the unit is running. Mm-hmm. Other than that, it's just staying stagnant and just sitting there until you use hot water. And that's where the biggest cost savings come from is that you're not paying to heat this 50 gallon tank of water 24 seven. It's like, you know, how much would it cost to keep a swimming pool hot all the time? Right. Because of all that heat loss, you know, a tanked water heater on a much smaller scale. It's like keeping a big, this big, huge body of water warm. It's, it's much more energy efficient to not do that and just heat it when you need it. Uh, Ooh, heat it when you need it. I like that. Heat it when you need it. Yeah. Okay. That's a thing. Have Norts get at me. I'll I'll license that to him. (laughs) All right. Perfect. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, longer warranties, so or, or the the product lasts longer. Let's let's actually dive into this one a little bit because um, you know how how long should a tankless water heater last? Or actually, no. Before you do that, tell me what's the difference because longer warranties is is the benefit there. What's the difference in a warranty on a tanked water heater versus a tankless water heater? So with a tank water heater, your warranty is usually six years. Okay, you can buy extensions that'll take you out to like ten. Somewhere but around manufacturers, there. manufacturers warranty six years. is six years. Okay. Um, with our tankless water heaters, our largest warranty is 25 years. Hmm. And then our units that we have recirculation and everything through are 15 years. And that's for the heat exchanger. That's for the heat exchanger itself. So, and that's the same thing. The six year for on the regular water heater is for the tank. Yeah. 
So we look at it as our unit should last 25 to 30 years with proper maintenance. So as long as you're maintaining that water heater, it should last you 25 to 30 years. So, so 25 to 30 years. So you, you'd mentioned two different, um, uh, warranties, a 15 and a 25 year. What was the difference in those? Is that the same piece of equipment, like the same tank unit or tankless unit? And one has a, what's, what's the, what's for the difference in the warranty? Well, one of them has a recirculation pump. Okay. So you are recirculating, keeping that hot water line hot all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's adding more wear and tear to that unit. You're using it more. And so that's why it only has a 15 year warranty where if you do not have that recirculation pump, then it's a 25 year warranty because you're not adding any type of recirc to that. Gotcha. So that's where those two different warranties come from. Um, so if you are going to have recirc, it's a 15 year warranty, but we expect it to last 20 to 25 years with proper maintenance. on. So recirc, so a recirculation pump built into it for those that might not know uh, what that is or why that's important. Talk to me about what a recirculation pump does. uh, Scott. Scott. Yeah. So you'd mentioned um, a little bit ago about having hot water on demand. You know, you turn on the faucet and it's right there. Mm -hmm. This is how you accomplish this with a tankless water heater. So you have this loop that's constantly going through your, your hot water pipes. And so as soon as you turn on that fixture, within a couple of seconds, you have hot water. Gotcha. So that, that's the way it works. And, and because it's constantly cycling and having to stay hot, obviously it's working. Um, and that's like why the warranty is less. Gotcha. And that's, and that's for a whole home piped system where you can create a loop. Gail, do you want to talk about the other crossover Yeah. So with our NRCR series that we just uh, came out with in February, we have what you call a crossover T. So you would choose the furthest fixture in the house and you would put this little T that connects the hot and the cold underneath the sink. So if you don't have one of those dedicated research lines, you're not out of luck. You can add this uh, crossover T that actually recirculates that hot water back through the cold line, back to the unit, and then back to the hot line. So it's creating a loop inside of that house. So you can keep that hot line warm all the time. If you have a system where you've got like a, a manifold installed where, um, like this was done at my house cause I liked the ability to be able to shut off each individual line. And so I've got everything going to a manifold first. When it does that, are you having to put one of those T's at each location or cause like, or is it that the water is, how would you, how would you set up some type of research on that? Well, with a mana block system, it's kind of hard to get that. So if you're looking for it to just be at your, uh, say in your master bath Mm -hmm. and I mean, you could set that up kind of at the block, but you still have to purge that line that goes all the way to your shower. That's what I'm thinking. The inherent, the inherent advantage of a mana block system is that your water gets there so much quicker because it's a smaller pipe feeding an individual faucet. So your overall benefit is i mean that's the benefit of the mana block system yeah no i mean i get get hot water you know relatively quickly right and i don't have like that situation where they're all connected throughout the house but now this is where the show turns into entirely just for me (laughs) (laughs) but i so i was just i was curious (laughs) fair enough i'm the host i mean you're gonna answer my questions that yeah so i was i was i was curious there because um, this is jumping a little bit ahead. I'll save it for when we get there. We'll come back to it. We can always go into if Ricky were here, he would say, well, Mike, I think you just need to have me come over and look at your house. <laughs> that's, that's true. That's true. He would say that. Uh, he has not made it to my house yet. <laughs> um, okay. So 
Okay, we talked about the warranties. You talked about um, the, you know, doing maintenance and, and there's some there's some stipulations in order to get that, that warranty. Um, you wanted to talk a little bit about uh, water quality um, and how that plays in. So what are the things that someone has to do in order to uh, get the maximum warranties on those? You talked about um, having uh, the maintenance done. Uh, what else is there? Well, there's, you there's yeah. Why don't you, Gil, why don't you go ahead and talk about what your company needs for the warranty? And this is typical for any. Yeah. So for most tankless water heater companies, any kind of hard water that's going through that system um, needs, if there is hard water going through that system, it needs to be maintained, needs to be flushed, cleaned out every single year. So do you, and hard is considered any grains per gallon over five. Okay. So does that mean, because I know with our uh, tanklesses, uh, that, that we install when we install a Nortz, we, we are giving an option and recommending that they install uh, a water softener or some type of conditioning with it. So do you, in order to get that 25 year, is it you maintain it or do the, the water treatment or you have to do both? Like what's required there? So anything like through our warranty, anything mm -hmm. that's seven grains or hardness or lower is um, we don't require filtration. We just recommend that they flush it once per year. Got it. Anything over seven grains of hardness, um, we require through our warranty to have some sort of filtration, whether it's a tri, uh, like a silifos or tripolyphosphate or a water softener, something that's physically treating that hard water mineral so it's not sticking to anything in your plumbing system. Gotcha. Um, let's see. We talked about the energy efficiency is sorry. We're still on pros <laughs> here. Um, so more energy efficient. We, we covered that, uh, takes up less space. Is that something that uh, a lot of people like? Oh yeah. It's very much. Yeah. Yeah. I know for me, I, you know, I had a, a small unfinished basement and we had this tanked, uh, water heater that was in the corner. And when we put in the tankless, cause we were, uh, the tanked one was like just so expensive running a 30 gallon electric water heater. We put in this tankless and we were able to free up a lot of space and then finish our basement and put in, cause it was a small one to begin with, but I really liked the space savings that we got from that as well. Um, any other pros that you guys, uh, can think of before we, you know, there's always the potential for less water damage for the fact that okay. when you've got a 50 gallon tank and it ruptures it, that's it true. The flood damage and, here in Utah, we're all in basements, and it seems like nobody knows how to pour a basement floor to go to the floor drain that's three <laughs> feet away. It always tends to go to the opposite, the hallway, the bedrooms, the living rooms, and damaged carpet and drywall. And I don't know why that is. It's just Murphy's Law here in Utah, but that's what we see. Yeah, well, I mean, to that point, the, the contrast, even if it was... Uh, you know, sloped properly, you get 50 gallons that just like go out all at once. The, I don't know of a drain that can handle all of that. And so you don't have that situation with a tankless because you don't have 50 gallons of water just sitting there waiting. Right. And, and typically what happens is that if it does develop a leak inside from what we've seen, it drips down on the controls and you don't get hot water. And because you don't have two or three days of running out of a tank full of hot water, you know immediately that there's a problem. So you go down like oh hey there's a problem yeah and the tankless only holds about a liter liter and a half of water inside of the heat exchangers mm -hmm. at one time so if there is a leak it's a small drip and then it just like Dwayne says gets on the components you don't have hot water you go down and check and you might see the drip coming out of the bottom of the tankless but it's not flooding everywhere inside the house gotcha so 
Uh, for all of the, the pros, let's talk about some of the trade-offs that you have there. Um, one of the ones that, that you can, one of them is limited flow rate because coming out of the tankless, and this is where you correct me if I'm wrong, this is just my understanding. You've got uh, a sensor in the, in, in the tankless that guarantees that you're gonna get a certain temperature of water constantly coming out there of, of the tankless. But if you start opening up a bunch of faucets around the house, it's still gonna guarantee that that water is the right temperature, but it may not be able to keep up with all of the demand. And that's why it's so important to size the unit properly or to come in and make sure that the thing, cause that's not, if you've got a system that can't keep up with your water needs, that's, that's not the tankless's fault. That's, you know, that's more of, in my opinion, that's an installation issue. Would, would you guys agree with that? Oh yes, definitely. Yeah. So, so make sure that when someone comes in, you know, if you've got, if you've got a house that is requiring two or, you know, tank 50 gallon water tanks, you know, make sure that a plumber is coming out there and doing an evaluation and you're talking to them about how you use your home, how much, you know, water or how often you're opening multiple faucets and things like that. Uh, what are some other uh, cons that you guys are not cons, <laughs> some trade-offs that you guys come across out there in the field that you talk to people about? Well, a lot of people like in the past would have issues with cold water sandwich. Okay. which cold water sandwich kind of explained as someone's turned on the faucet or turned in the shower and they've showered then they shut the water off. Mm -hmm. And then like five minutes later, somebody comes in, turns the shower back on. Well, you've got all this hot water that's in the line. And then in the past, it would take 30 to 50 seconds for that tankless to get fired back up and get going again. Mm -hmm. And so you'd have this small section of water that was cold that was still leaving that unit. So they would jump in the shower and be like, oh, this water is warm. And then all of a sudden they would get a cold shot and then it would go warm again. Um, with the new technology that we have within our units, we've eliminated that cold water sandwich issue. Um, is that the research that you were talking about or what is that? Uh, no, is that's that? into the heat exchangers themselves and how they operate and how fast they can get that, water to temperature. That so, circuitry that's in there that we talked about is just so yeah. much faster that it just can go back and forth so quickly. Gotcha. Yeah. And modulate. So back in the day, I mean, you could have been 40 to 50 seconds before the unit was actually delivering 120 degree water gotcha. with our new NRCR unit, you're 12 seconds. Gotcha. And if they've been using the unit, that heat exchanger stays hot to a point to where it can still exchange. So if you turned off a faucet, waited five minutes, turned it back on, that heat exchanger is still hot enough to exchange and it'll start keeping exchanging and going. Is it a, is it a common practice? Cause I know that, uh, one of the things to help with efficiency is that, um, the, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, but the Noritz, it will, uh, use, it'll preheat the water with that, with those exhaust temperatures before it actually exhausts stuff. So you're like trying to preheat the water before it actually gets to the heat exchanger. Is that something that, that, that yours does? Yeah. So our units are all condensing units, uh -huh. meaning that it has two separate heat exchangers It yeah. has a primary and a secondary. So, um, with that secondary heat exchanger, we're using the flue gases of the unit to yeah. preheat that water before it goes into the primary heat exchanger. Um, so that way our stack temperatures are very, very low, anywhere from hundred to 130 degrees leaving the unit where if you're using a non-condensing unit, it could be 400, 500 degree flue gases. That's why they needed that stainless, stainless steel, steel back in the days because versus those, now PVC. Yeah. Those flue temperatures used. are so hot coming out where now like, uh, when it comes out of that unit and it's going out the side of the house or it's going up the roof or however you have it vented out, I mean, you can put your hand right in front of it and it's cool 
coming really? out of the and house. It's, yeah. And it's zero clearance now with the PVC. It used to be with the stainless that you had to have 12 inches of com- clearance to combustibles. And so it just made it very hard to mm-hmm. retrofit anything to get 12 inches in a joist bay oh, yeah. and, and different things. You just really couldn't do it. Gotcha. And so that's, and that's been since what, about 2008, 2009? Yeah, 2008, 2009 is when a lot of the condensing really started, started coming started out. taking off. I mean, that's probably 95% of the sales. Gotcha. Is, condense, is the condensing units. While we're on, this is where I was going to go a little bit earlier, but I decided to wait for here. So do you have an issue with uh, like high efficiency washing machines or dishwashers where um, it has issue getting the water, getting hot enough water there in the beginning because of, at my house, the, the high efficiency washing machine, it like, you turn it on and it'll like, spit some water out to like kind of get things going. And then it doesn't like just flood it like it used to, uh, you know, the old not efficient ones. And so what we were having an issue with is that the, even when you chose a hot cycle on the washing machine, it wasn't getting like that 130, 140 degree or 120, whatever you have your thermostat set on, on the uh, tankless, it wasn't getting that temperature there because it wasn't running long enough to like get all that. Th- is that a, is that an issue that people have? Or is that just a weird thing at my house? No, that's an issue. That's even with a tank water heater, you're mm-hmm. still going to have that issue because that line that goes from your washer all the way back is still, if you haven't used hot water in the house, mm-hmm. that line's going to be cold. So you have to purge that line of that cold water to get that hot water there. Um, One thing that we've seen a lot of um, people doing in that side is when they are going to (laughs) use their washer, they'll go to the bathroom that's adjacent to it, run the faucet till the water's hot, then turn on that high efficiency washer or... And that's that's what I do in my home. Yeah, But I've also seen put some small little uh, point of use tankless like a little Emacs water heater or something uh-huh. like that. I mean, it's quite expensive just to add that for that purpose when you could just turn on a faucet and let it run. But I mean, that is it's tank tank or tankless. You're still going to have that issue because you have to purge that whole gotcha. line to get it there. That's, that's interesting. Cause yeah, we, that's what we would do is we would go and we'd turn the, uh, the faucet on in the, in the kitchen so that the tankless was already fired up. But we having that manifold system, like, we would still have that water that was in you, you got hot, hot water right there at the manifold, but then that line going to the washing machine, you still have it. And, you know, me being a bit of a redneck and, you know, my house being one of Ricky's, you know, plumbing dreams, I actually rigged up, this is confession time on the podcast, Uh but I rigged up a system where, I can't wait to hear this. Oh yeah, it's, yeah. I can't wait. <laughs> I rigged up. I rigged up some. I went to. I went to the hardware store. Got some. Uh, some plumbing pipes. And I thought to myself, okay, well, how do I get hot water right there? So I rigged up some. Uh, some piping coming off of the hot water uh, from the from the uh, the outlet there or the the spigot at the dishwasher or the washing machine. And I plumbed it to where it was going directly into the washing machine. I put a valve so that I could then take that valve and run it into the drain line and I could turn that valve on (laughs) and it would give me hot water there immediately. Um, whenever I hit start on the thing, that's a great idea, right? That is a great idea. Unless your wife forgets to turn it off in the middle of the night (laughs) and you run your tankless water heater all night long. So you can get as much hot water as you want eight hours 
if you would like to. I didn't find out. So I tried to tell my wife, like, okay, hey, don't forget. And it's not her fault. It was a new system, and I was, it was redneck, you know. So she, you'd have to turn it on, hit start, and then turn it off so, so you'd have it there. I wake up the next morning, and I go to – when you get a tankless, you can tell when you've got a bunch of fixtures opened up in the house because I I'd figured out that, you know, the, the hot water pressure would be a little bit lower. I go to take a shower, and I was like – I was the only one awake because it was early and I was like, man, this is really weird. And my mind immediately went to like, oh no, I wonder. So I get done with my shower. I still had plenty of hot water at the shower as well, you know, but I, I get out of the shower. I go upstairs and sure enough, that thing was cranked full blast, hot water, just draining into the drain tube. And I was just like, Ugh. So, you know, <laughs> I, so I go downstairs and I was like, Hey babe, um, did you do laundry last night? seeing if she'd like pick up she's like yeah i was like did you forget to turn the thing off she's like oh did i <laughs> anyway so it was funny i think i think a couple weeks later we got one of those notes from the city that's like you use 30 percent more water than your neighbors do <laughs> and i was like tell me about it anyway so so that we we eventually like got rid of that particular uh system I think that's actually very ingenious though that's a really good oh, yeah. It, it was. It was a very good solution and you know she got better at like shutting I, the thing off i but. forget to turn the faucet off my wife's always happened to go in and turn the faucet off that I leave on and walk away. But there you go. But yeah, so I, that's the only, that was the only like drawback that I had with that uh, tankless is that it felt like, you know, it wouldn't happen, but that's good that it, that's a, a normal, uh, a normal thing that you'd have to think of. So does, does a research with that, that, that little research system, does that fix that problem? Yes, that would fix that. As long as you don't have a mana block like you have. Uh, sure, it wouldn't fix it for me. For you, it wouldn't. <laughs> but any regular plumbed house, that would fix that. Issue. Okay. So just be, be aware of that. And when you're talking to the plumber, uh, you know, let them know that you've got high efficiency appliances, which most people do nowadays, right? The, uh, just real quick on that, yep. the dishwashers, we kind of have the same issue with sometimes, but years ago, the dishwasher started now putting in a heating element. And so whatever temperature it says that whatever, whether it's low water save or high wash or high temp or whatever buttons you have pushed, it's going to tell tell the dishwasher, I'm going to make the water this hot. And that little heating element down in the bottom heats that water up. A lot of the new, brand new, I mean, last two years or three years, the high efficiency washing machines are also, they have a steam feature to that. And they also have an element in there so that it is going to overcome that if you have the cold water and you're supposed to be on warm, it's going to heat that element up and heat the water up until it gets to the temperatures that the the different buttons tell it it's going to do just like our just like our dishwashers have been doing gotcha. for quite a while that makes sense um another uh you know another trade-off that you have there is that you know with all of the energy savings and the endless hot water you know tankless water heaters they do cost more than a regular tanked water heater um, but you had mentioned earlier gail that there are some uh incentives and things um, to help overcome some of that initial uh, cost. What, what are some of the incentives that are available for people that are uh, wanting to upgrade from a tank to a tankless water heater? Yeah, so there is a, for, through Dominion, the gas company, there's a $300 rebate on that. So when you install that uh, tankless water heater, there's a form you go out and fill out online. Um, that check takes six to eight weeks to get to you. And when they say it takes six to eight weeks, it does take six to eight <laughs> weeks to get to you. Yep. Um, but our units all qualify for the $300 federal tax credit as well. Um, so that tax credit would be something that you would claim on your taxes for 
the end of 2020 when you're doing your taxes next year. Um, and that is a true $300 credit to your taxes. So if at the end of the year you owed $0 in taxes, you would get $300 back. Nice. I'm not sure if this will air before 1st of July, but they could still actually claim their 2019 yes. yeah. credits if they haven't done their taxes yet. Yeah, if they haven't done their taxes yet, they can still claim it in 2019. Um, if they had it installed in 2019 and they didn't claim it in this tax season and they can claim it in the 2020 as well. When does this air? Next week. All right. Well, there you go. So if you're listening to this and it's not July yet, you can do whatever they just said. And those typically take a, take a, the dominion one. You have to have a copy of your paid receipt. Can with, you claim it yeah, each year? Can you do model. 2019 and 2020? <laughs> you, you can really whether it a year or not. <laughs> this, <laughs> Trust the you audit. Can always try. Right. The, audit, the audit will find you. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Uh, on the, so, so for those, for those listening, if you have dominion as your gas company, you've got that $300 rebate that's available. Uh, if you are, are listening somewhere else in the country, maybe check with your uh, gas company and see if they offer some type of, uh, you know, rebate. And then for the federal tax credit, that is a credit, it's not necessarily a rebate. So it offsets your tax liability at the end of the year by 300 bucks. So, well, if you have somebody that's listening, that's out of state, yep, um, they can go to Norwich.com, click on rebates. They put in their zip code and oh. it'll give them their gas company rebates. The federal rebate shows what rebates are available in those areas. Beauty. Wow. So Noritz.com. So N-O-R-I-T-Z.com. And there's a, is there a tab up at the top? Tab up at the top just rebates. says rebates. You click on the rebates and then you wow. just put in your zip code and it'll tell you what your uh, Check it rebates out. are. That's a great database to have. It is. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. What was my tagline that I came up with earlier? Do you remember? I remember. I'm not going to tell you though. I mean. I well, I'll, re- <laughs> I'll remember when I'm I hear it. What was it? I don't. I don't remember. You don't remember either? No. I don't remember. Do you remember Austin? Okay. Anyway, I was going to say it again because it was such a good tagline. What was it? Heat it and forget? No, it was a... Uh, Set it, was, it and forget it? No, that one's used. I Shake and bake, something like that? Ah, uh, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> Not first or last. Okay. Um, <laughs> moving on. There's, somebody, there's someone listening right now that like remembers what it is and they're yelling at their, at their uh, radio saying, <laughs> it was this. All right. Let's move on. Um, any other uh, trade-offs that you hear people talking about or uh, complaints, I guess, that, that people have with a, a tankless water heater? In, in my mind, there's so many more benefits. And as long as you go in with your eyes open and you know that these are the trade-offs, it's an easy decision for me anyway yeah. to make. But are there any other it's complaints? It's just life, lifestyle changes. You know, we talk about you might need to make, make some lifestyle changes. Same as if you get an electric vehicle. And by one, you're not going to go zero to 60 unless you're spending, you know, a million dollars, but you're not going to get zero to 60 in 3.1 seconds. And so this, the tankless is a lot. One of the complaints we do here quite a bit is that, oh, it just takes so much longer for the water to get there. And we hear that all the time. And it's like, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. The the regular tank water heater was here and it started flowing water. And then the tankless is in the same spot. Now it may be a three to four second to get zero to yeah. sixty. There yeah. is the only difference it really should be. Because well, a lot of those old, older tank water heaters, they don't have the thermal washers that are built into the top of it. 
So it's actually that heat that's generating in there for the next like six that feet down the line point. would actually kind of heat it that is. water that's for true. about six feet. Yeah. And so they would get so that, that one or two seconds of one or two. Se- yeah. Of, but I mean, yeah. most of the homeowners that we talk to and like, you know, I go out on a ton of troubleshoots locally all the time um, where homeowners are like, oh, it takes so long to get here. And then we time it and it's, you know, 20 seconds. And it's like, well, that's 20 seconds. Well, yeah, that's a long time. Well, when you had a tank water heater, how long was it? It was probably like 15. Well, that's five seconds. <laughs> and now you have endless hot water. That, you know, two it's, feet of water more, yeah. you know, kind of a thing in a pipe. Yeah. Well, that's a really good thing for uh, technicians to, like, make sure that you're educating yourself on, like, don't just have blinders and be like, oh, it's just all of these good things and good things. Know, know the things that, that people are complaining about and know that, like, okay, well, the older ones used to do this. And so people might hear some of these, uh, you know, not myths, but hear people complaining about them. But the technology may be way further advanced that has solved those problems because when, uh, when a manufacturer hears and sees consumers, uh, you know, complaining about things with their product, R and D jumps on those things and starts, you know, figuring out ways to fix those things. And so, uh, I personally don't have those issues. So I probably, you know, have a unit. I mean, listening to the way that you guys are talking about things and some of the technology that we'll talk about, uh, later on in the episode, like mine doesn't have some of those things, but like, I don't experience a lot of the things that people, uh, you know, talk about there. The only, the only issue that I ever had with my tankless, but it wasn't the tankless's fault. Um, there was, there's a dip switch inside where you have to adjust for elevation. And I don't know if this is still this way with uh, newer water heaters, but there was a little switch that didn't get flipped uh, on the install for the altitude. And so it would run and then the hot water would cut out. And I was like, oh, that's weird. And it, and you could shut the water off and then turn it back on and it would start doing hot water again. But they came out and it was, it was a simple fix and I've never had an issue since then. But is that still something where you got to make sure that you, you know, are adjusting the dip switches, right? Or whatever. Yeah. So, I mean, straight out of the box, that heater is set for, so if you're putting in like the NRCR or the easy units, they're set for sea level and a short two inch vent run. Mm-hmm you install it here and you don't flip those dip switches, it still thinks it's at sea level with a short two inch vent run when it's at 5,000 feet with 30 feet of two inch PVC and it's a lot longer. So it's trying to operate as it's in one area when it's in a complete different other area. So you'll get error codes, things like that. But if it's installed properly, like we have apps that the installers use where they just go in, put in what is in the install and it tells them what dip switches they need to press. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. I wanted, I want, oh, go ahead. Uh, is yours written down? Cause I might forget mine. Well, go ahead. So, so the, the only other, uh, not complaint or calm, but the other thing to know about a tankless is that when the power goes out, you're not going to have hot water, right? Because it does require electricity, or at least that's what I've found with mine. Yeah. You know, like if, it, even though you've got gas there, uh, you're not going to have hot water if the power goes out. But Correct. you can use a battery backup. Okay. So just like you would for a computer. Um, you know, those small little battery backups, you can have that plugged in. You have the unit plugged into that and then have that plugged into the wall where it'll actually run the unit for 16 hours, like 16 hours of burn time. Wow. Which you only in a 
typical family of four, you're maybe about an hour of burn time per day. Unless you forget to turn the little nozzle off at the washer and you sleep through the night. (laughs) But that little battery backup will run that unit for 16 hours. Is that something that uh, Norit sells as as an accessory to go with it? Or you're just saying you need to go get one of those You can get one on Amazon or anywhere or... That's it. I might have to go get me one for. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good. That's a good. So point. yeah, we we had to, my son's. I've got a quadriplegic adult son at uh-huh. home, and he's got an air bed that rotates and pumps up and keeps him from getting bed sores and things. And we've we are in a private. My my we're not Rocky Mountain Power. We're in a private company. It seems to go out quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So he went and bought one of those that he plugs his bed into. So that it'll it doesn't go deflate on him overnight, and we're sweating. Is it gonna how sure. bad? Do you require a dedicated circuit for your tankless? No, we do not. Uh, how much electricity or how, what what kind of draw are you having on those? It's about a with it running full burn everything. It's about a sixty watt light bulb. Oh wow! That's I mean, it's awesome. very very low uh, energy consumption. It's all DC. All the all the components, the motors, fans, everything in there is all DC. Hmm. That's cool, Dwayne. You so where were you? Yeah, going? back to another con. Um, just the one of the things we have to deal with too is gas sizing and things oh, yeah. we That's wanted to point. we kind of wanted to get to that and that is it can be a con i mean can it be done yes but there are there are some significant there's a potential for significant costs because of a regular tank water heater is about forty thousand btu and this is five times more at one hundred and ninety nine thousand btus hmm. and so we might need to increase the gas sizing lines coming in or change it to what they call a two pound system or a medium pressure system. And so there's some ways around it, but there are some, some costs associated with that. You know, this is a second thing that came up where it's really important to make sure the thing is installed correctly. I was going to talk about this towards the end of the show, but let's actually just dive into this now. Uh, you know, can, how can, can any plumber, uh, you know, in, install a tankless, like what, what is recommended when you're trying to get one as far as like what you're looking for in somebody? Well, there's certain parameters that you have to meet to be able to make sure that that tankless water heater is going to work hundred percent in that house. Mm-hmm. So one is the flow rate, you know, if they've got seven bathrooms and there's seven showers in there, um, one tankless is, will still work in the house as long as you don't exceed five showers. Mm-hmm. If you have all seven showers, it's going to just cut down that flow. So you want to size it for the house that it's going into. Um, like Dwayne was saying, with that gas, you need to have as, uh, the, as much gas at the heater as required by the heater. Because if you don't, it's going to try to get there. And if it can't get there because there's not enough flow, it's going to shut down. That's uh, Speaking of the, that, the amount of gas that you need in an equipment room, there's not correct me if I'm wrong, but you don't usually have a dedicated gas line coming into the equipment room for each appliance. Do you like, don't you usually have like a main feed coming into the equipment room and then you've got your furnace and your water heater and things coming off of that? Or do you do a dedicated run for, well, it can be either it, it, we see all kinds of different ways they pipe back in the day. They used to just bring it they would run it right to every individual tee off wherever it needed to go gotcha and hit those individual fixtures and things and uh today the current construction you bring a one inch line into the mechanical room um is our local codes here and mm-hmm. then it that's enough to feed the furnace and a regular water heater and things but there's just there's all kinds of different gas systems out there more than what we would want to go into but if you did have one line coming into your equipment room and it isn't necessarily sized for the tankless and your furnace 
because the old water heater didn't require as much uh, gas, you could, doesn't the, uh, doesn't the tankless, won't it prioritize and it'll like, you could starve out the, the furnace or, or whatever, right? Yeah. So, so it is, it is important to make sure that, you know, that there are steps being taken it's not just like, oh, you want to swap out your water heater? Cool, I can put in a tank. Slap it in there, right? Yeah, because because there will be a trade off, and I and I'm worried with this with with them. You know, our tanklesses don't code out anymore that we install because it is pulling the gas in. But I worry more what it might be doing if it's improperly sized to the furnace, which I think is a lot more dangerous and a lot more concerning to a homeowner or to you know people in the home for carbon monoxide mm-hmm. and and those kinds of things, and so. It's just, it just, it does need to be sized properly. And so and with, work. with that tankless water heater, it, the maximum is 199,000 BTUs, but oh, the yeah. minimum is 18,000 BTUs. So right. it's a modulating burner. So it's mm. only going to burn as much gas as it needs to, to heat the water that's going through it. Gotcha. So if you were only running one shower and it's one gallon per minute going through that unit, it might only fire at 60,000 BTUs. Gotcha. So you're you know, you're going along and plugging along and everything's just fine with one shower. And if, so if your gas line's undersized, you're not going to notice it there. Gotcha. But if you start doing two or three showers at the same time and it starts getting up to where that maximum BTU is, is when you start seeing those issues and those undersizing Mm -hmm. problems and things like that. So Mm -hmm. as far as like, um, are there any type of requirements that a, a technician or a company that's going to you know, represent like for instance, nor it's like, what, what does any hour services do to make sure that they are qualified to install Norit's tankless water heater? Like, or can, can, again, I go back to, can any, cause I'm where I'm going to ultimately go with this is what kind of, uh, you know, questions or what kind of communication does a, how does a homeowner protect themselves from spending a lot of money on a tankless water heater and then having it not work properly? How do they avoid somebody that doesn't know what they're doing? So we have three different trainings that we do. We have level one, level two, and level three trainings that we do for all of our contractors Mm -hmm. that are installing for us. Um, And so they have to go through these classes to become a certified installer. So, I mean, like on our website, you can go and find an installer and it has all, you know, certified installers. So anybody who's looking to have a tankless installed needs to make sure that that person that's installing it knows what they're doing. Gotcha. So you do, you don't want to have somebody coming in that doesn't do it all the time because they're going to, they might not install it correctly. Gotcha. So you want to have that unit installed correctly and have a company do it for you that is certified to do it. So, so yeah, so there's, there's the certification to make sure that you have the training and the support from the factory to know here's the proper way to do this. But then you also mentioned, uh, experience, you know, the more you do something, the better you get at it, the more little things that, you know, the, the dip switches and the, you know, the venting and the gas sizing and all of those different things. Uh, you know, Dwayne, how, how many tanklesses do, do we install compared to, you know, the average, you know, plumber? Yeah, we're, we're currently installing several hundred a year and that's how popular they're becoming and, and things we've, so yeah, yeah, I mean, we definitely have a ton of experience and with all of those installs, you just, you get faster at being able to do the installs. You, you know, all of the little tricks that you have to do. And, and you, you had mentioned, uh, there, you can go to a manufacturer's website and find out if a company is certified. Is that still just Norts.com and it's a different tab to find? Yeah. You can go to Norts.com and click on find an installer and then you type in your zip code and it'll give you all the installers in that area. 
Um, and you'll see little badges on there where it'll say like residential, commercial, certified, all those different mm -hmm. things that are on there. Um, so let's talk about, cause you had mentioned earlier about the, uh, the warranties you'd mentioned maintenance. Uh, so if someone has a tankless water heater, what kind of maintenance should they be doing to the system? So they need to flush by flushing it. It's you're putting a solution through the heat exchangers mm -hmm. to physically clean those out. So if you're doing it on a regular basis, food grade vinegar, just regular white vinegar, pumping that through that system for an hour is going to clean any scale buildup that's inside there. So what we're just trying to do is get that scale buildup that's inside of that heat exchanger out of there so it can uh, operate efficiently as possible. Because through every single one of those heat exchangers, we have thermistors that are measuring the temperature of that water in different sections. So from point A to point B, um, with the f so this is how smart these units are, is if you have, say, a gallon a minute coming through there from point A to point B, we should be, say, 80 degrees here to point B, we should be 89. But as that starts to scale up, um, that temperature is going to start changing. So it's got to burn even hotter, mm. but then as it burns hotter, it's going to heat up that scale, which then the, the kind of overheat and do different things. So that scale can really damage either a tank or a tankless water heater. Scale is what really kills water heaters. So scale is that, that mineral buildup, uh, you know, in a tanked water heater, it usually settles down at the bottom, but on a tankless, it'll build up inside the heat, heat exchanger. So, or, okay, so besides uh, flushing the tankless once a year, is there anything else that you have to do to it? So while they're while they are flushing that, you know, mm -hmm. you're checking the incoming uh, combustion air that's coming in, make sure that's clear. There's no wasps or bird nests or anything blocking that incoming combustion air. So that's just out at wherever it vents out of the house, right? You're just inspecting yeah. that. So and there sure. and at the unit too, like we have stainless steel screens on our mm -hmm. newer units where the combustion air is coming in. So you just pull that screen out, clean it out and throw it back in. Um, you can, on the units themselves where the cold water comes in, there's an inlet filter there that's blocking anything that's coming into there. So it doesn't go through the water heater and into your house. That's something that the installers usually pull out, clean out, put back in. So there are a few other steps that they do while they're there to just make sure the unit's running. 100%. Are those things all listed in the owner's manual? Yes. Okay, so if someone was gonna try and tackle that themselves, uh, you know, those things are, is, is there anything that they, uh, that if someone was handy and, and was able to do those things, is there anything that, uh, well, actually, does, if you try and do that as a homeowner, does that void any type of warranty? Like, do you have to like have, you know, a, plumber come out and do that or can you try and do that stuff yourself you could try do it yourself um i mean there's videos online and all sure. those different things where you know you can try and do it yourself um but having a licensed contractor coming out who knows what they're doing who knows what to check and what to look for sure is a lot more ideal for that yeah because the there is a certain procedure to flush our water heaters and so if you don't do it the correct way it's not going to register that on our unit so that's one thing about our units is they're very, very smart. So when you put that into flush mode, it's going to make you flush it correctly until it gets to the end. And then it'll actually register on the board um, when that unit was flushed. Mm, so you're recording the maintenance yes. in internally. So it's recording the maintenance on the, so in say seven, 10 years down the line, you're calling tech support because you're having an issue or a problem. Uh, our tech support can actually look. Yeah, to make I flush sure. it every year. Yeah. So they say, oh yeah, I flush <laughs> that thing every year. And then they go to the maintenance monitors and look at it and go, 
It's never been flushed. <laughs> uh, does every tankless do that? I need to know. Uh, okay. I haven't done it every year. <laughs> okay. So, well, and, you know, for any other, you know, homeowners listening, that the unless you have, like, a recirc pump, you know, to, to do that, like, that's the biggest thing with, with mine. When I went to, to flush mine, uh, you know, I had to go and buy a a research pump to actually get it to do that, to flush that solution through. But, um, okay. So flushing it, uh, checking all of those other things, uh, obviously, you know, refer to the owner's manual for a complete list of those things. Or, um, if I guess that's another advantage for having the maintenance done by a plumber, do you, do you recommend going with a certified installer or is there another certification where it's like, they're certified maintenance people. Well, they're certified maintenance people, certified installers. Um, but if you're a certified installer, um, you're still trained through all that maintenance and everything as well. So if you're an installer, you're a maintenance gotcha. person as well. There's just there's some people that just focus on just maintenance and they don't install. Or people that just install and they don't do maintenance. Gotcha. So it just really depends on, you know, who you want to have. No, no, I, I get it. I just, again, I'm just trying to think from a consumer standpoint, how they go about picking the right person. Because, um, I, with all of that stuff that we talked about, like needing to have the experience and knowing all of those things, it would be very easy for uh, a homeowner to just assume that any plumber is going to know how to do that. And the plumber is not going to show up and be like, eh, I don't know how to do that. I, I gotta, you know, yeah, I'm just going to flush it and, and run this thing through. And if they don't know, they need to check all of those other things. You know, they're, they're not going to, I don't know when it comes to sometimes they're technicians little, they are a little high tech. Yeah. I mean, these yeah. tankless are becoming more high tech. Well, there is, well, not only that, but like sometimes, you know, technicians, they, uh, they, they think that they know everything. <laughs> And I've, I've talked to a few and I'm like, that, that's not what this says. And like, oh, no, you don't have to do all of that. That's, oh, no, I've been doing this for 80 years and I, you don't have to do that. <laughs> well, if, if you look at it like this. Yes. If you own a Lamborghini. Yep. Do you want a Ford mechanic working on your Lamborghini? He's a, he's a trained professional to work on a vehicle, but he doesn't know that Lamborghini like a Lamborghini maintenance person does. Yeah. See, and that's the thing is like out in the world though, like you've got so many shops that are just like, and there, there are people that think that like, Oh, a water heater is like a car. I just take a car to the mechanic. And I would say probably the more you start, if you were spending money on a, if you were spending Lamborghini money on a Lamborghini, yeah, you're probably going to take it to the <laughs> Lamborghini dealership and have it, have it worked on. But like, you know, I think the average person, they, they don't go to the dealer to have the oil change done you know, or, or so, so it's one of those things where we just need to, yes, I get what you're saying with that analogy, but there are a lot of people out there that are like, I'm going to get this stuff done for as cheap as possible, wherever I can get it and not necessarily go to somebody that's, you know, from the factory. Cause they, in their mind, they're like, I just want to save as many of those dollars as I can. And so I, what I'm really trying to do is just educate people that like, you want to think about having somebody that knows what they're doing do that. Can you like go and have somebody that doesn't know what they're doing? Yeah, they can come out there and pretend like they know what they're doing, but are you getting the benefits that come from actually having the maintenance done? Because if you're doing the maintenance, I'm assuming you're doing it because you want the system to last longer and perform as well as it could. You're cutting yourself short if you're not doing that stuff right. Correct. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
I think I think Mike too on yep. when we're talking about qualified people, we need to have that conversation, and I don't think we quite covered it enough, but okay. on flow rates and things and how to that is a it is definitely a bigger learning curve on those, and the technicians need to be able to have that conversation with the homeowner, and if they don't have that conversation with you on what are your lifestyles, do you have a large jetted tub that you're trying to fill? Why do, here in Utah we find many of the Larger homes have 240 or 250 gallon water heaters down in the basement. And what's your usage or how many kids at home? How many teenagers? Are they girls? Because that's going to involve all your usage. And how many showers do we take at the same time and that kind of a thing. And I, there's, even though the, you know, most of the tanklesses are around 10 or 11 gallon per minute flow rating. And it's easy to say, oh yeah, that's, that's plenty. That's a lot. But our cold water coming in contributes to that, and we call it temperature degree rise. Mm-hmm. And how far, you know, how high do we go up, um, and how high do we need it to go to hit a certain temperature? And so we have to. And there's charts out there that show that, and it's it's just really important that that kind of gets managed, or you just understand that, hey, if Mama's time is from 7:30 to 8, and she fills up the jetted tub and closes the door, and it's dad's job to take care of this, you know, the four screaming kids. Then, and, and one of the kids wants to go and shower, it, the, it could cause some problems on a high flow faucet mm. trying to get a shower done at the same time. Gotcha. So, so are there any other technical uh, things? Like what, what are some of the other technical things when you are trying to, from a technician standpoint, yeah. you're going into a home, what are the technical things that you need to be aware of uh, that you're looking for you so well, combustion combustion air is another one and so when we have flame um, there needs to be enough oxygen being able to replenish that small room that is that is most of the mechanical rooms there needs to be air replenishing what's being burned because the oxygen is being used up and so they call it a fresh air return or combustion air coming in from the outside or other locations or utilizing the the house and the size of the house and those kinds of things. And there's charts and tables and, and everything that, that people get certified in mm-hmm. to be able to do all that as journeyman plumbers know how to do that. And, and heating and air technicians, when they become, uh, here we call it the Rocky mountain gas association certification. When that happens, then they receive the knowledge on how to use the charts and figure all that out. But you have to be able to replenish, that air and and so sometimes and because there's more BTUs and more energy and more gas being used we need more fresh air coming in yeah it sounds very similar to uh you know sizing HVAC equipment for Mm -hmm. the for the home you know and and for years I've said you know HVAC equipment isn't rocket science but it is science and you know there are there there are the laws of physics that like that Duck go into play size, length of run how right? far how small how big and so knowing yeah. all of those things uh is is really important okay um before we move on to the next topic anything else because we're getting ready to kind of wrap up the show i'm going to end with uh you know features uh, of tankless that like new technology and stuff but anything else that we've gone over that that we want to go back to or that we missed uh one thing i wanted to kind of touch on was the efficiency ratings yes of tankless versus tank 
So like our units are 97 to 98% efficient, okay. which a lot of people are like, well, that sounds great, but I, what does that mean? Okay. So that efficiency basically means if it's 98% efficient, every dollar you're spending in gas, 98 cents is actually heating the water and two cents is going out the flue. Where with a tank water heater, they're anywhere from 60% to 62%. Is that even with the new like regulations and things that they're like requiring? Yeah, like they're to- a 0.64 or 0.65 UEF really? rating, which our units are a 0.97 UEF rating. That's so that huge. equivalates to you know, 65% or 60% versus 90%. And that's, and that's when they're new. Yeah. As soon as you, I mean, water heaters, as soon as they start building up scale, they go down radically. One advantage to the tankless is there are settings on there that it'll let you know when it's time for maintenance. Mm, yeah. so. Is that one of the things that your uh, tankless records as well is how efficient it's being? It doesn't record how efficient it's being, but you can look while it's going and go through the different maintenance monitors to see how efficient things are working inside the unit. Mm. So I can actually go in and see what the incoming water temperature is, what the outgoing water temperature is, what the BTUs are, are, and I can look at that and I can do that math to say, okay, that's where it's supposed to be or that's not where it's supposed to be. And that's one of the ways we troubleshoot is looking at those parameters and trying to figure out, okay, so what's causing it? Is it, you know, the gas sizing? Is there, is the, is it built up in the inside? Is the, you know, is there more maintenance that needs to be done deeper in and and get deeper into it. Yeah, that, that's a great point with the uh, efficiency thing. It's it's a way I love explaining uh, efficiency that way. I do it a lot with uh, you know with the furnaces and things when I'm uh, talking on the radio. But being able to explain that uh, you know that percentage of how efficient it is that means that's how like what percentage of your money is actually you know being spent on heating the home whatever's left over is is you're just flushing that money and so to know that for every dollar that you spend heating your home with a tankless two cents is not going to heat it versus a tank uh water heater 35 40 45 cents you know like you're 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 just wasting that money and that adds up over time oh yeah so anyway um okay so let's let's say that someone's listened and they're like okay cool i want to get a tankless with most things that you buy, there are accessories and, and different things that are available. Um, I know Nortz has some really awesome things in the technology. Let's talk about when someone's getting a tankless, if they had a wish list and they could be like, okay, I want like the coolest tankless I can get. Let's talk about some things that are available with tankless water heaters. Yeah, so with our, with our NRCR units, which is Nortz Residential Condensing Research. Oh, it means something. Yes. An so acronym. our, yeah, our, our, all of our numbers always mean something <laughs> on that side, but that NRCR, um, is going to allow you to turn any home into a research home. Okay. Um, like we were talking before with the minimum and the maximum BTUs, we actually have a built-in system that is our super low BTU control mode. So when you are researching with most tankless water heaters, it's going to research. You're trying to get to 120. that but that water's coming back hotter gotcha so you're going to use less energy so it's going to actually we can modulate down to about four to five thousand btus wow so we can keep that water as hot as possible going through that unit where a lot of other manufacturers they're going to shut down and they're having to wait a lot longer for that temperature to drop before they can exchange again that that's cool because when you were talking about like oh it just recirculates i'm sitting there like well 
that zaps your efficiency, right? But like having that, it's just like with a, a modulating motor, you know, in HVAC equipment, it, it throttles down and uses less uh, energy that way. Yep. And so that's that's really cool. And and yeah. you're saying that's something that uh, isn't standard. That's that's a thing that you have to know that you want. Yeah. Is that so right? So that is standard in the NRCR units gotcha. themselves. But um, not all tankless water heaters have that. Gotcha. We're the only ones that have that low BTU mode built it, into that unit. On, on that part of that technology is it's that you don't get, it's not 120 degrees right when you turn it on. Sure. It, it, it has to have a, a return back, and that's the benefit of keeping it nice mm -hmm. and efficient. And it runs just about 100 degrees or so, you know, a good lukewarm temp mm -hmm. in the line. But if you're washing your hands, you don't have to wait, sure. which we're all doing a lot more of. Now, and that's where this, you know, with the whole COVID thing, that's where these are a really great feature because you can put that on your sink that you, that gets used the most for hand washing and you can have lukewarm water or warm water right there immediately without mm -hmm. having to wait. That's cool. What's another, uh, what's another, let's say, let's actually, let's say, is there, um, someone has, uh, a Noritz that wasn't an NRCR, was that right? Yeah. NRCR, uh, that wasn't that acronym. Is there a, a thing they can add on? Like, is that a matter of like, cause it sounds like the circuit board is what's doing that. Or is it more complicated? Like you actually have to have an NRCR model or can you add something on to, uh, if they got a Noritz that wasn't that, does that, does that, does that question make sense for yeah. research? Yeah. Yeah. So we do make a external research pump. Okay. Um, they have to have a dedicated line that can't be the crossover tier or anything mm -hmm. like that. But if they do want to add research into the house and they do have a dedicated line, we do have an external pump that just plugs into our unit and then the unit controls the pump, the flow, all of that. Um, it's something that they can add on to that. Do you get that same modulating benefit that way though? Yes. You do. Yeah. So even if it's not recirculating, all of your systems have that modulating uh, BTU whatever yes. right yeah all of our units are they modulate for what is being used at that time hmm. that's cool uh what are some other tankless features that people Ooh, ooh. everybody's going to modems and being able to look on their phone and see who's in the shower not who's in the shower <laughs> if, if the, sorry that's, that was bad we had to go someplace didn't we that yeah that but where you took scratch, it you're like how do scratch, i how do i, I take oh, the man, episode I gotta, off I the rails <laughs> breaks okay. breaks back up back up back we up we do not condone putting we cameras in your bathroom we can see when the tankless is being used we can monitor the temperatures we can adjust the temperatures that's a that's a feature that's available so yeah, so what is that um is, is that normal? Like do all, all of your tanklesses hook up to the Wi-Fi? Like what, what is this feature that you speak of? So we have a, it's our Wi-Fi adapter. Okay. So something you would add on to the tankless. So the consumer can turn the temperature up and down. They can turn the unit on and off. Um, then it gives them a whole plethora of information about the unit. So it'll actually show them if there are any error codes, if there's something wrong with the unit. Um, it'll show the burn hours, um, how many times it's ignited how long it's been plugged in for, um, when the last time it was flushed, all these different things. Does that, it keep track of that maintenance like you were talking about? Yes. And uh, I'm assuming that, does it send you a push notification that says, hey, it's time to maintain it? Yes, it does. That sounds dope. The other thing that you can do if you've got that teenage daughter that you think is showering way too can long. you shut the hot water you off? You can just yes, turn can. that baby off <laughs> when you want. And they still have water, but wow. it goes ice cold. 
Yep. That's actually cool. <laughs> in my house, I have like a, I have like um, Alexas in all of the houses. So I think I would probably like give them a warning. Like I'd announce on the speakers, be like hot water ends in three minutes <laughs> and then have them test me that first time and see. Anyway. But- through that Wi-Fi adapter too, they can see how much gas they've used per day. They can see how much hot water they've used per day hmm. um, through that. But it also, you uh, as the installer, you can use that Wi-Fi adapter as a diagnostic tool. So if you had a customer call you and said, hey, I've my tankless isn't working, and they have that Wi-Fi adapter, you can actually dial in through your side of the app to see what may, what error codes or anything that's going on with that unit. So you could actually have them turn on water and you can actually walk through the unit without having to be on site hmm. and go through and see, you know, is it producing the correct amount of water? So they're saying, hey, we're not getting hot water. We're getting like lukewarm water. You can actually go into it and you can see the unit. Well, 120 degrees is leaving the unit. So it's not the unit. It's something else in your house. So we can send out a technician to take care of that part for you. Hmm. So you could have a cross connection or something in the house. And that is with customer permission. We don't have. Correct. Yes. We don't gotcha. have. They have to give us access Yes. Do you gotcha. Yeah. Um, our, our tech team too can dial into those units and do all those things too with the homeowner's permission to be able to do that. But it just makes it so much faster and easier to be able to diagnose if there is a problem with the unit or if it's something inside the house. Sure. That's awesome. Uh, any other features um, that, that someone uh, needs to know of or look for in a tankless water heater? You talked about the heat exchangers. Are there different... Um, mm materials that heat exchangers are made of? Like what do they need to look for with that? Yeah. So with all of our units, we use hundred percent stainless steel heat exchangers. Um, so that's why we can offer those 25 year warranties on that. So with our new NRCR, so our easy 111, easy 98, our easy units that we had that had the 25 year warranty. Um, we just introduced those NRCRs. So those heat exchangers in those NRCRs are actually 200% less corrosive when it comes to scale than the easy ones that have a 25-year warranty. Hmm. So those new heat exchangers are actually going to be moving into the easy units because they are, they'll hold up the hard water minerals better, um, which that's why we can offer these longer warranties is because we know they're going to last a very, very long time. So if you are looking, you want to look for dual stainless steel, and but stainless steel is not all made the same. Okay. So we're using a few different grades of stainless steel within our heat exchangers, like 316 Austinite stainless steel, 304 uh, stainless steel, where we have uh, some of our some of our competitors and things like that on there. They might use a stainless steel, but it might be a ferrite stainless steel that's not as high grade for that, so it's not going to hold up as better down the line. Um, so it's really just looking at what they have in those heat exchangers. Gotcha. Are there other metals besides stainless steel that pe- that manufacturers are using like uh yeah they're using like our non-condensing units all are copper heat exchangers gotcha and so copper is where it had been for many 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 years um just over the last like five six years is when really you know stainless steel has really taken over yeah i think mine might be it. a copper heat exchanger like it's, I'm sure it's it probably yeah. 10 12 years old yeah i'm sure so, it is. which copper is a great conductor of heat yep but it's very susceptible to scale buildup and damage from scale. Look, I said I flush it every year. <laughs> You're awesome. You That's can't, way you to can't go. T- you can't tap into my unit and see if I have or not. Uh, okay, cool. Uh, any other uh, features? So you got stainless steel. You got that Wi-Fi thing. You got the that recirc ability, that modulating um, whatever. <laughs> oh, 
Hey, when we have those high demands, like the house that has the seven bathrooms, yep. they make a little cable. We can install two of them side by side, link them together. A cable. Uh, there's a little electronic cable that communicates between the two tanklesses and says, hey, I need a little more boost, and the other one will Oh, kick when on. you have multiple tanklesses. If you, yeah, yeah, to do multiple tanklesses, then there's a cable now that you can... I mean, you tie them together. and So it, the two tanklesses are communicating. Communicating. Gotcha. On demand and how much flow and... and how did you bring it up? Like in those situations where you have uh, multiple tanklesses installed, are you uh, piping those so that one tankless is doing one half of the house or are they wired in series? Like, or not wired, <laughs> electrician here. Uh, are they piped in series? Like how, how are those things working uh, when you put multiple in? Well, it all depends really on that house and how it's plumbed sure so a lot of like the newer homes that are larger they are segregating off you know this side of the house is on this water heater this side of the house is on that water heater um, but we do have done like great big large homes where we've had you know six tankless hmm. to do a house because they have 20 bathrooms so you'll see them uh quick connected together you can do six together and we can actually common vent all six and send it out with one vent so you're not having six penetrations wow. go out of the house so um but is it like a giant vent? Oh yeah, you're, it gets bigger. you're eight inches. Going it gets out. bigger. It's like yeah, Mission it Impossible bigger. can crawl through it and like get into your equipment room. For just anyway. two of them, you're you're still at your normal two and yeah. three inch venting, maybe four. Uh, okay, so again, okay, so for my mind, is one tankless in in the situation where they're uh, plumbed together, is one preheating the water to the other? Is one constantly running? And it only kicks on if you get the message saying like, hey, I need some help. Like, how, how is it working? Yeah, so the, they'll, they, they communicate with each other, but they also switch off all the time. X amount of hours of burn. Yeah, mm -hmm. every eight hours. Well, you have your primary and secondary ones. Gotcha. And so it just automatically switches back. So they get equal burn hours, which is not the case that we see on a lot of the tank water heaters that are in. Cold water comes in one, kind of preheats it, and then goes out the second one that first one always gets used gotcha and then those are the ones that we find we go in and replace a lot is that first that first one so the tanklesses are all it's all modulated and calculated out and then the flow rates as as one water heater can't keep up with it it communicates and then it opens it up and turns it on and sends the water through it as well once the first one gets to 60 percent of its capacity it'll kick on the second one and then they both work together to they'll bo both work less hard yeah so if it goes 60 percent, it'll kick on the next one then they, they'll be at 30 percent, and then they'll both work together mm. so we have a, a flow control valve that's letting water in and out of those units so when you have two of them together if you don't have that cord together it's not letting them know that they're working together and so you'll it'll get a little weird but if you have that cord connecting it the first one will just shut off that water coming into that unit until the yeah, first one gets to 60 percent, and then it'll kick on both and then they'll both work that's cool for those that are watching or watching their yell is over there and i felt like i was back on the farm milking a cow when it's they're opening and closing <laughs> opening and closing <laughs> oh man um okay well we've talked a long time about tankless water heaters is there anything else that anyone wanted to mention before we wrap the show um, well one thing we talked about we didn't kind of elaborate on is um the cost of tankless water heaters it is more expensive to put a tankless water heater in, mm. but one thing that the homeowner really has to look at is if I'm putting in a unit that has a 25-year warranty, 
if I'm going with a tank, I'm going to have to replace that tank probably four to five times the lifetime of that tankless. So it is more in the beginning, but over the years, it's going to save you tens of thousands of dollars. That is something that heating. the people that say like, oh, a tankless water heater isn't that much more. You're not saving that much more money, uh, you know, by having a tankless water heater in. The biggest place that your savings is coming is you're not like continually re replacing the unit itself. And so that's that's a good point. Uh, as far as that, uh, that costs there. So, um, anything else? I think that's the show. That was a good right. episode yeah. we went over a lot of stuff. Right. You, Gail, you were our first like guest appearancer as that's not a word. First appearance totally of the appearancer. Yeah. Like in the, in the, how, how was it? Tell me how, good. Very tell me good. how it was being on the show. Yeah. I liked it. You love the show. Oh yeah. You think it's amazing. I watch it all the time. No better podcast out there. No. Sweet. <laughs> there you go you heard it here folks that's the show we'll be back next tuesday with a new episode of in the house um i'd like to thank our guests Dwayne, scott and gail for being here and all the people behind the scenes that helped to make the show possible if you'd like to know more about any hour services please visit anyhourservices.com or norits at norits.com if you'd like to know more about them uh, i've been your host mike wilson and you've been listening to in the house see ya